Today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15 is brought to you by NetSuite. Successful companies know faster growth requires the right tools. If you're doing one, 10, or hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more, all in one place. Over 19,000 companies trust NetSuite, the world's number one cloud business system. Schedule your free product tour right now and receive your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, at netsuite.com slash listen. That's netsuite.com slash listen. Which team should be in the Jock Peterson market? Players have started reporting for spring training, and we've got a difference of opinion on DJ LeMayhew. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have Better. not had the three cold brews yet. Good. Got ahead of me on uh, my, my caffeine question, so glad, glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, February 11th. Al Melker here with Michael Beller. And uh, Michael, I, I think I can now safely say that I think we can move on pretty soon from the Mookie Pet stuff because it was made official on Monday night. But we, we are going to revisit it in a way because the Jock Peterson deal, well, that fell apart. We didn't uh, touch upon that on the Monday show. So uh, we've got a little bit related to that uh, that deal still to talk about but before we get to all that Michael uh, I did see this thing about MLB proposing a new playoff system where it looks like there's going to be seven teams in each league and three wild card teams and the number two team gets to pick its opponent and <laughs> I mean could you see that working in a fantasy league that kind oh. of system I can see it definitely working in a fantasy league. I can tell you that from experience. My fantasy oh. football, my home fantasy football league, we do that. We have the uh, the the highest seed playing that round pick whoever they want to play, and it works great in a fantasy league. But uh, <laughs> I'm not so sure if it's something we want to carry over to real life. This is this just has the stink. Major League Baseball has done this a few times uh, uh, in the last few seasons. Right, we're right at the start of spring training. They float these trial balloons, almost seeing like what they can possibly get away with and if there were ever a spring training where they wanted to distract from other things that were happening this would certainly be it so uh, I, I made some fun of it on Twitter a little bit but I'm not sure uh, how seriously we should take this one uh, don't think we're going to be seeing uh, 14 teams or bulletin board material based on who you're picking to play in the playoffs anytime soon Ah, uh, well, I hope not. I'm not a big fan of playoff expansion anyway, so uh, I'll have to go check out your tweets, though. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's get uh, back to the, the business currently at hand, which is that there is now no Jack Peterson trade between the Dodgers and the Angels, so that part of the whole Mookie Betts extravaganza fell apart, uh, at least for the time being. But uh, Jack Peterson, i got to think, since the Dodgers were willing to send him out of town, that he would remain on the trade market. So he certainly shown some great power with the Dodgers, 36 home runs this past year and just 514 plate appearances. Doesn't play a whole lot against lefties or at least not regularly, but I've got an idea of a team. I think that he'd be a great fit for, but I'm just curious who, who do you see as a good trading partner for the Dodgers here? 
wouldn't surprise me if we're on the same team here. Uh, it feels right. like the Cleveland Indians are the team that should <laughs> really be going after him. Uh, obviously, they've made some additions in uh, the outfield and DH spots uh, over the last couple of years. If you want to go back to uh, when they made the trade for Fran Mill Reyes and they go out, they sign Domingo Santana. Uh, so spots, I guess, are starting to dwindle a little bit. But this is still a team that I, I think is desperate for uh, some corner outfield power, some corner outfield consistency, some left-handed power. You get that all in Jock Peterson. You could platoon him. With uh, Domingo Santana, I think he's going to be a more consistent, more high-ceiling option uh, than Jake Bowers uh, has proven to be since they brought him over from Tampa. They feel like the obvious team, especially this close to the start of the season, that should be trying to get Jock Peterson while he's still available. I think I would have been on the same page with you if not for the agreement they have now with Domingo Santana. So they would be my number two option, but I think the Blue Jays are a great fit. Uh, the only thing I, I do worry about in terms of them being a trade partner is I'm not sure that they have what the, the Dodgers need. They've got a, a little bit of minor league pitching depth, but that's probably really the last area I would guess that the Dodgers are trying to fill. But they certainly have a need for them. It looks like the, the Blue Jays are trying to contend fairly soon. They definitely could use another quality outfielder. And I it makes me a little sad to say that because I like Derek Fisher. I'm rooting for him. But he's the one who would currently line up to, to finish out that outfield. And obviously, I think Jack Peterson would be an enormous upgrade from Derek Fisher. So I think either team, really the Blue Jays or the Indians, would make a lot of sense. And we should definitely keep our eyes uh, open to that uh, those two possibilities. Yeah, um, got to believe it's going to be someone like that, right? I mean, I've seen yeah. some Cubs talk. I've seen some Cardinals talk. And, and I just don't think either of those teams are really that great of fits or teams that are really going to pony up what the Dodgers are going to be able to get elsewhere. Yeah, you know who could really use an outfielder, though, is the Rays. <laughs> right? Get him in. They, they, they don't have Bowers anymore. He's in Cleveland. They got to get someone else <laughs> in there. Right. Right? They, they, they can't stop at Margot. Him. They got to get someone else in there. Come on. <laughs> Not enough outfielders <laughs> in Tampa Bay. That would be absurd. Uh, well, you know, we're getting on to the, the meaty part of the offseason here. Spring training, I guess it's not really officially begun. We don't have any official pitcher and catcher reporting dates yet, although those are coming up very soon. But we do see a trickle of some players reporting to their spring training sites. You uh, noted uh, to me that you've seen uh, some things on social media accounts with uh, Joey Votto, Marcus Stroman, uh, Masahiro Tanaka showing up. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, it's a time that I guess we start reminding ourselves that spring spring training stats aren't really that meaningful in most cases, but where there's a position battle, then obviously they take on a lot more meaning. And I think for players maybe coming back off of an injury, if it's a pitcher, maybe you're looking to see if their velocity is way, way off from where it was last March or April. Uh, if it's a hitter, maybe you're, you're looking just to see how well they're controlling this, the strike zone. But uh, is there anybody in particular or anything in particular that you're watching this spring? Yeah, you know, one guy jumps out at me is a member of the Chicago White Sox, and this is a team that stole a lot of offseason headlines. A lot of people are very excited about what this offense is going to do coming into the season with good reason. Uh, Yohan Moncada looks like uh, a star in the making. Uh, we're going to get uh, a good, strong, full season out of Aloy Jimenez. Luis Roberts should be up and ready to go uh, right away opening day since they eliminated any need for service time shenanigans with him by signing him to a long-term deal. Edwin Encarnacion, of course, Jose Abreu. 
Abreu, Nomar Mazzara coming over from the Rangers. A lot of good reasons to be excited about this offense. But I want to talk about a guy who maybe isn't going to start the year with the team, and that's Nick Madrigal. Um, I, I don't think he's going to spend too much time in the minors. I think he has pretty much proven all he needs to prove uh, to this team. He obviously is the second baseman of the future for the Chicago White Sox last year across three levels of the minors. Hit 311 with the 377 OBP, stole 32 bases, did it in his age 22 year. He's going to be up with the White Sox sooner rather than later. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. I mean, it's only Larry Garcia blocking him at second base. So I think this guy could eventually play his way to the top of the order in Chicago. Maybe it's not right away. Maybe it's not even this season. But long term, he's an excellent top of the order guy. And maybe it even happens this year. And Al, if it does happen this year, and he's hitting in front of all those guys who I just listed. And we could be talking about Nick Madrigal as a guy who starts out low, especially in redraft leagues, and ends up being this huge fantasy guy because of what he can do for you in steals and what he could do for you in the run scored category. Even if he hits ninth on this team, if he's their regular second baseman, he still has all those guys coming up behind him. This guy could end up be scoring a ton of runs this year if the White Sox play the way we expect them to. Yeah, no, that's a a great call right there. And if he does come up soon or somehow wins that job opening day. And the White Sox, they did, did, am I remembering this right, that they signed him to, uh, I may be thinking of a different player now. I was hey, Robert. Say, yeah, but that's probably who I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah. So, yeah, if there, yeah, if there's not a commitment to, to paying him for the full year, then we probably shouldn't expect him up opening day, but he certainly can force the issue with the good spring. So I, I like that call a lot. And along those same lines, I'm watching the Marlins outfield because I, th- I think that that could play out in a lot of different ways. Uh, I think Lewis Brinson, it's probably his job to lose, but, you know, he's tried pretty hard to lose it the last couple of seasons. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see if he brings something a little different to the table in spring training. And again, not to get overexcited about whatever stats he may put up, but just to look to see if there's something there. And Meanwhile, Monty Harrison, is he going to force the issue? Magnera Sierra, he's out of options. So that that could be very interesting. You'd have somebody young and, and exciting in center field there, and it's just not clear who it's going to be. And as I said earlier, I'll definitely be watching players who are uh, coming back from injury at Alberto Mondesi, see mm-hmm. how, how he's doing and what sort of timetable he's on, Jorge Polanco. And while I just said a little while ago that we were going to leave this Mookie Betts thing alone, I am very interested in seeing how David Price comes back from that surgery to remove the cyst in his wrist. Uh, I wouldn't think that would be a big deal, but, you know, I'm going to be curious to see how he looks early on in spring training coming back from that. And uh, I also, uh, there's, there's a piece on The Athletic as of today, uh, today being Tuesday, th- that I wrote about David Price and all the various factors that you need to think about when thinking about where to rank them this year. Very, very difficult, challenging case. Uh, so I hope uh, folks uh, check that out and let me know what they think about it. So uh, another thing that we uh, have up on the site, courtesy of Brandon Funston and current, uh, also courtesy of a lot of the fantasy staff at The Athletic, is a second base roundtable that came out over the weekend. And I know you wanted to talk about DJ LeMahieu in particular because I think we've we've got a bit of a difference of opinion there. Uh, so I take it that you are not too optimistic about LeMahieu. I think he's got a good chance to come pretty close to what he did in 2019. So what's the case against LeMahieu? 
Yeah, I think the the case against him for me is uh, based in in the power and the counting numbers. Yeah, he's in a great lineup with New York. Uh, We should expect him to inhabit pretty much the same spot uh, in the order that he did last year. But I have a lot of trouble believing in the 26 homers he hit last year and the way that helped drive. Obviously didn't completely create, but helped drive what he did in the RBI and run scoring departments. And I talked about this on uh, the uh, our regular fantasy baseball podcast last week with DVR and Chris Meany. I am going to be very wary of anyone whose power spiked in 2019, especially if that guy is a veteran player like LeMahieu, and it's not like LeMahieu didn't have an opportunity to have his power spike previously in his career. This is a guy who spent the majority of his major league time with the Colorado Rockies, and you look back at what he did, two homers in 2012, two homers in 2013, five in 2014, six in 2015, 11, big 11 in 2016. I mean, this guy was just never a big power hitter. So because of the juice ball environment that we had in 2019, I am wary of a guy who suddenly, at, what, uh, uh, 30 years old, right? Last year was his age 30 season. He turned 31 last July. So age 30 season, suddenly, out of nowhere, hits a career-high 26 homer, shatters his previous career-high in homers, in RBI, in runs scored. Even in a good lineup, I think that this is someone who we should be looking at a a little bit askance based on what he did in 2019. I'm not going to say that the batting average, the OBP can't be there. That has always been a club that has been in his bag, so we should expect that. And because of the lineup that he plays in, because of the ballpark that he plays in, maybe there are some gains still to be had there based on, you know, compared with what he did previously in Colorado. But I don't think he gets anywhere near what he did last season. This is a guy who, where, where his ADP is and where it's likely to be come real draft time, I just can't see him being on any of my teams. Well, yeah, if we're in leagues together, then I've got a better chance to wind up with him, I guess. <laughs> and I, you know, I get it. I mean, all those things are really solid arguments against paying the, the ADP for uh, LeMahieu. But something that did change my mind a little bit was working on one of the draft kit pieces on post-peak breakout players from 2019 and surprise surprise DJ LeMahieu was one of them and what I found and again there's not a lot of a a lot of uh cases to to really you know illustrate or you know prove with a lot of of confidence that this is the path good start so far good start uh, a (laughs) post-peak breakout but (laughs) no but I (laughs) what I wrote it was you know if if a player follows something like the Brian Dozier model of a post-peak breakout because of the players from the last, I think it was five years I looked at, that had a post-peak breakout, and, and obviously not very many sustained that, but Dozier was one of them. And it, it seemed like a pretty relatively secure path to sustaining that sort of breakout because he, he had very gradual improvement in his skill set. He didn't have anything sort of fluky like uh, an out-of-character uh, you know, out BABIP rate or uh, a high batting average with runs and scoring position. Now, I agree with you absolutely that I'm skeptical. There's good reason to be skeptical of the run production that LeMahieu had last year. I think the power production, I think he can come pretty close to that because you're right. In Colorado, he had plenty of opportunities to show that. But some people do bloom late, and he is still in a really good venue there. So, He's kind of close to that Brian Dozier model. I would say of the post-peak breakout players I looked at, Trey Mancini by far looked like the safest one. But I'd say LeMahieu was probably next on the list. So 
I'm not totally bought in, but I think I'm, I'm more bought in than you than you are. So yeah, that's safe to say. You know, we yeah. got to get we we, we got to keep track of these because this is now three shows, three FBIF, three fantasy baseball and fifteens we've done together, and I can uh, we got Lemayhew, we've got Rendon. I, I don't know, I don't think I'm missing any, but all, we're on a two for three hit rate here, so we got to keep track of these and maybe uh, come up with some sort of uh, bet on the sidelines that we can track all season. I like it. I like it. All right. Well, I will. I will work on that. Work on being a, the the record keeper for us here. Uh, just one last thing on that second base roundtable. Is there a second baseman in particular that you see that you maybe will be more uh, high on than the than the community in general? Yeah, I'll be quick about this one. It's Max Muncie. This is a guy who now two years in a row has given us basically identical numbers. So I don't see any reason why we should look at 2020 any differently than what we saw from him in 2018 and 2019. I'm penciling him in for floors of 250, 370, 500 on the slash line, 30 homers, 90 runs, 85 RBI. He's got a great lineup that's going to keep those counting numbers intact, especially with the addition of Mookie Betts to the top of that lineup. ADP does not ask you at all to pay for that, and I'm really scratching my head at why, because like I said, this is two years in a row now where he's given us these sorts of numbers. He's got great lineup around him, a great infrastructure built in Los Angeles. I love Max Muncy. He's going to be on a lot of my teams this year. All righty. Uh, well, I'll note that as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we will uh, wrap up here really quick. But, of course, we want to share our featured read with you, as we do on every show. Uh, this one's from uh, John Legeza on The Athletic, introducing hard minus soft rate, a simplified contact spread metric. Really cool stuff there, uh, looking for pitchers who simultaneously do a good job of limiting hard contact while inducing soft contact. Yeah, you got to combine those metrics because looking at them individually sometimes can be a little bit misleading. So do check that out. And on that note, we're going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Everything that we do is included with your subscription. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you did take the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier, and we will be back with you on Wednesday. Wednesday.